We worship You. We honor You. We acknowledge You. We thank You for Your Spirit. We thank You for Your plan. We thank You, Father, that no matter what has been, what is and can be is great. Is great. Glory to God. Father, You are the author of lemonade. You take that which was sour and you make it sweet and refreshing and good. And so, Lord, we offer unto you our lives all that we are, all that we ever will be. Let every step taken from this moment forward be in stride, in direction, and in keeping with your pace, with your plan for our lives, with our families in mind, Father. God, we thank you for this. We thank you for the future. It's a good future. <laughs> and we, we can change. We can change the quality, the type, the outcome of future generations by how we choose to live today. And so we yield to your divine enablement, your wonderful grace, to live a life today and every day that is worthy of you, that is pleasing to you. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So again, you could be seated. Hallelujah. And still, I know you have another handout in your possession. Lord willing, we'll get to it. We got off one scripture on that last handout. So, But let's, let's turn over to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And as you're turning there, I wanted to read another verse that I like. I'll just quote it to you. Praise God forevermore. Glory to God. Now, in, in all of the things that we minister and teach on about the family uh, this week, I, I, there is a parallel application to our spiritual lives. Amen. You, we, are, we are to be a part of, and a very important link in the chain, of the plan of God in our family life. Amen. But we are also, praise God, assigned a spiritual lineage. And we're called to leave a spiritual legacy. And so let open yourself up to allowing the Holy Ghost to fortify you, show you things talk to you about how to leave uh, a, a legacy because I'm not just a, uh, a natural dad, I'm a spiritual dad. And I'm not just a natural son, I'm a spiritual son. And I want to be a good one. I want to be a good spiritual dad. I want to be a good, um, I want to be, I want to be a good steward of the, the spiritual things that God has placed in, in my hand to advance. And these things flow together. These, these things intermingle and, and go together. So, you know, praise God. Take that for what it's worth. But uh, you're there in Hebrews 11. I'll join you there in a moment. But I like this. Uh, I'm just quoting to you Psalm 68, verse 6. Well, I'll read verse 5 and 6. It says that God is a father of the fatherless. What a wonderful promise. God is a father of the fatherless, 
He is a judge of the widows. The Cody translation might say a defender. He's a defender of the widow. You don't have a husband. Your husband went home to be with the Lord. Uh, God will be your husband, the Bible says in another place. Is God in his holy habitation? And I love this. Verse 6 says, and God sets the solitary in families. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those which are bound with chains. But the rebellious will dwell in a dry land. That's, that's Haran, right? And so this is the heart of God. Family is the heart of God. Amen. And if you find yourself isolated and alone, a member of a broken lineage, a broken family... God will take you and He will put you in a family. He will put you in a family. Adoption's a thing. Spiritual adoption is a thing. Uh, amen. And uh, our church is to be that. Right? Our church family, our company that we walk in. God takes the isolated, the solitary. Solitaire. It's a card game you play by yourself. Amen. And He sets them he gives them peeps, right? He gives, these are my people. This is my crowd. This is my gang, my posse. This is my group. This is my company. This is my family. And this is the plan of God. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, uh, family, God created family before he created government. Yeah. God created family before he created the church. I would never diminish the place of the local church. Uh, praise God. But God didn't create Adam and set him in church. God created Adam and said, you know what? It's not good for this boy to be alone. And we'll talk about this later, but he created a helpmate for him. And that word helpmate, helpmeet means an answering unto. The heart cry of so Adam was perfect, but he still had a heart cry. He hadn't sinned. He was, he was flawless in that sense, but he still had a need. And God made Eve. And so God created marriage before he created any other institution. And today, what are the world's, what do people, what do they worship? Government. What are they leaning on? Government. What are we demanding to take care of us? Government. Fund us, take care of us, defend us, cradle to grave, welfare state. But the foundation of all the other institutions will crumble and fall if the founding institution is not right. And the founding institution is marriage and family. Right? Praise God. And there's a divine order of things. I know I'm getting ahead of myself for tomorrow. Praise God. But you all do know this, right? It's first comes love. Then comes marriage. Then comes the baby in the baby carriage. There is a divine order to these things. <laughs> Amen. But I love that, praise God. God did not create humanity to thrive and be their best self, solitaire, alone, isolated by themselves. We're better together. You know, Dr. Dufresne, he would tell us preachers, he would tell us, take care of your families. 
Because they'll be there for you and no one else will. He said, you know, God reassigns you and you step out to do something different. Your church will remember you for about 30 days. And then they've got a new hero and they've forgotten all about you. People are fickle. Just understand that about humanity. You see that, right? You can see that in the sports world. The OU quarterback, I mean, he was a phenom. Preseason, he's the front runner for the Heisman. Uh, He has a couple of slow games. We don't score 50 points. And his own fans, our own fans are cheering for, calling for the backup to come in. That's pretty rough. Hero today, the devil tomorrow. But see, family that's really family, they'll be there. They'll be there. They'll stand with you when nobody else will. And when you've made mistakes and stumbled and fallen, your family will be the ones that will be there. Amen. So Dr. Dufresne, he would tell us, you take care of your family. And I appreciated that about him. So let me join you over here in Hebrews chapter 11, continuing to talk about the importance of family in the sense that the family, every family carries a divine assignment. And that divine assignment will outlive you. There are no doubt things that God intended for you to reach back. I used to run track, run those relays. And, uh, you know, to reach back. My race doesn't start. My leg of the race does not start in track until I get a firm hold on the, of the baton. And, man, we practice that. Because you drop that thing in a tight race, it's done. You lost. Amen. And there's a lot of generational things where we've dropped the ball. They don't even know where the ball is. What is the purpose of our family? Amen. And so to go back and get that baton, pick it up, and then begin to run with it, and then our race isn't done. I'm not going to leave this planet, you know, except we all go in the rapture, without me, praise God, you know, hey, I did my best. It's your turn. Amen. God thinks generationally. God gave David an assignment, but it outlived him. And it was to be carried on in Solomon. To a large measure it was. But then you get someone who was spoiled and not thankful, Rehoboam, tears it up, splits the kingdom. You know, I really hope the Lord will let us, hun, get into talking about family in ministry. Because I see so many around a man of God not do the right thing around a man of God. And they, like Miss Deb, like Pastor Debbie said, they don't know it, but they became a yoke. It's very important. If you marry into someone in ministry, you better like more than how they kiss. You better know more than some basic things because you're marrying into a family assignment. You know, in some dynamics, it's okay. I, I'm marrying her. I love her. I don't really like the in-laws. But when the in-laws are your pastor, that's a different deal. I, I hope that we could get into some of that. I have some things I'd like to say about that. But uh, anyway, uh, notice this about Abraham that it's, it says about him and his sons in Hebrews 11 verse 9. Hebrews 11, verse 9. For time's sake, I'll go ahead and jump to my Amplified. It says, prompted by faith, 
He dwelt as a temporary resident in the land, which was designated in the promise of God, though he was like a stranger in a strange country, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob. Now notice what it says about Isaac and Jacob. Fellow heirs. That's on your handout. Fellow heirs. With him of a different promise. No, of the, excuse me, of the same promise. Of the same promise. So here we have some more biblical insight into the plan of God that the assignment, you know, obviously because of Terah's failings, he was a halfway guy, not an all-the-way guy, but Abraham was an all-the-way guy. And so in a lot of times you'll see in these family lines someone like a Lee Cody be a turning point, be a, be a, a, a forger, a, a, a pioneer someone who breaks through new territory, sort of the apostle of that family, right? And really changes some things, like a, like a Dr. Dufresne, like a Kenneth E. Hagen, you know, whatever. It doesn't have to rise to that level in terms of the voice of the body of Christ, but really someone who changed the dynamic and the direction, right, of that family. Well, it's very important that, that the people who would come after, the sons and the daughters, that they don't get over... I don't say any, but overly occupied with trying to find my own. I, I, don't, I don't want to come, I don't want to be the son of Chris Cody. I'm my own man. I'm my own. Of course you are. Why are you being insecure? You know, one of the things that I, I really enjoy doing is backpacking. Backcountry backpacking. That's not tent camping. That's not, what do you call it? Glamping, glamping, none of that, you know. Uh, but you, you put four days worth of provisions on your back and you take off and you, you're going to get out places that you can't get to in a Jeep, right? Or on a paved sidewalk and you're going to see some stuff and you're going to experience it. I just love it. I, I just like it a lot. And, uh, but one of the things, when I take groups out, one of the things I'm militant about is white blaze or blue blaze. So in other words, these trails are mapped. We're going 34 miles. We're going into deep wilderness. And I am not interested. Well, bless God, someone's already walked this path. Someone's already walked this trail. I'm going to be Davy Crockett, and I'm going to go off trail. No, that's where the briars are, dude. That's where the thorns are. That's where the bears live. What is wrong with you? I'm just fine to go on someone who's already faced the briars, paved away. They know the best route to the best sites. You get lost out there. You get off track out there. You die out there. How many people have you heard gone hiking and they were found dead half a mile, quarter mile? It's important. When someone blazes a trail. Well, these trails are marked, not just with signs, very rarely, but they'll go along with a spray can. And each trail, because these trails are intermingled, you know how it goes and interact. One will be marked with yellow, one will be marked with blue, one will be marked with white. So the last one was, I was on from start to finish. It's a 34-mile loop. Amen. White blaze. So whoever's leading... Every few minutes, if I don't hear come out of that guy's mouth, white blaze, then I'm going to start wondering, have we wandered? 
off track. I'm focused on someone's gone before me to get to my destination. I don't have to have my own, but I want to make sure. And so whoever's leading, they'll see that white paint on the tree or whatever and say white blaze. And when we don't hear it, we go, hey, we may have wandered, whatever. Amen. Isaac and Jacob, their lives were not less than because dad's assignment was their assignment. It's not about that. It's about God's thinking long term. God's not just thinking about you, dude. He's just not thinking about you, Missy. He's thinking about 14 generations. He's thinking about, I've got to go from you to Mary. From you to Mother Mary. And I've got to fulfill all these prophecies I already made along the way. Will you just cooperate? Will you advance the ball? Down the field. So what did Dr. Summerall say? When God calls a man, he calls his whole family. Amen. And you're not less than to have the, the baton in your hand and it's your time to run. What an honor. You don't want it, the people to leaning over the grandstands of heaven and go, Oh, they fumbled the ball. There's another one trying to come up with their own cool plan. God's going to have to start over. You know, and the, and the plan of God gets delayed for however long. Anyway, I like this. It says that uh, Isaac and Jacob were fellow heirs with Abraham. So yes, they carried the same assignment, but guess what? They shared the same reward. And that, that's what I love in my spiritual lineage, what God did for Dr. Dufresne, what God does for Pastor Nancy. I'm in that lineage. I'm in that flow. What God, I'm white blaze, praise God, I'm going that way. That's a prosperity blaze right there. That's a victory blaze. Glory, that's a joy blaze. I'm going to just keep going with that. Amen. And whenever I get the ball, I don't want to drop it. So you can see on that handout if you're, if you're on that back page, you know, Isaac and Jacob were not given different assignments. They were not given different promises. It was a generational plan that had to be carried out. Amen. And, uh, you know, we won't take time. I've got some, some things I want to accomplish before we leave for today. But if you read that account in 2 Kings chapter 20, you know, Hezekiah gets uh, pig-headed and proud and and all that, and God ended up having to judge him for his pride and his disobedience and all the things he got off into briefly. And uh, Isaiah is sent to him. Did y'all find that? So it's on the uh, legacy handout. Second page, which is on the back of the front page. And right in the middle you see 2 Kings 20. Yeah, you're with me. So God comes and pronounces what's going to happen on him. And he talks about how the kingdom's going to be taken away, how enemies will, you know, things will be lost, things will be subtractive. But the prophet said, these will happen in the lives of your children and grandchildren, not, not in your days. And, and you could take note of the underlined uh, italics portion of verse 19. So he, uh, Hezekiah responded and said to Isaiah, the word of the Lord, which you have spoken is good. Now, why did he think it good? Bad stuff's coming, but not in my days. Now, how creepy is that, right? How off is that? I don't know what the woke term for that would be, but that's just not, that's just not good. That's sketchy, right? 
Uh, amen. I won't see it. My kids will. They'll have to deal with it. Clean up my mess. You know, that kind of thing. That's, that's not the kind of uh, way we want to go. We want to, you know, if you turn all the way to the very back section, we want to do what Lois, Eunice, and Timothy did, right? Lois was Timothy's grandmother. And then Eunice. And then Timothy. And they, they were able to get into Timothy. Amen. A heritage of faith. And God was able to lay a heavyweight assignment on Timothy, which he carried out, laid down his life in martyrdom. We'll wear a martyr's crown. Amen. Praise God, because mama and grandma put something in him. Well, that's great, and I know you've got it, but it's worth just stating clearly. Like I said, in my dad's life, all the fruit Ben and I and that Rex and Faith and Ryan and all of our children, everything after that that comes, that's all heaping up to my dad's account. Because it wouldn't have happened had he not stood up and said no more. Think about that. Praise God. So even after my dad is enjoying heaven and we're still laboring down here, he can look at his reward. You know, things are still being deposited into his account because it's being credited back to him. Amen, what he started. Amen. Well, let's set some things up for tomorrow. Uh, let's go to Matthew chapter 7, and I'll begin to refer to what's uh, now, it's called session 2, handout the building of the family. You should have that in front of you now. Praise the Lord. Matthew chapter 7. And let's just begin, at least today, before we leave, to talk about some things about building the family. Building your family from where it is. Uh, as single, saved, and satisfied, but knowing the day's coming, right? You dream for that. You're believing for that. Where first comes love, then comes the marriage, then comes the baby in the baby carriage moments. And uh, praise God. Something that Jesus said here, love these verses, I know you know them, verse 24 through 27. Jesus said, therefore, whosoever, come on, whosoever, doesn't matter if your name's Lee Cody, (laughs) doesn't matter how behind the eight ball you are, therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. Not just hears them, does them. I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Amen? And so we'll we'll use the word house. Here Jesus means, no doubt, the strictest application of that interpretation of that verse would be your life. Your life. Amen. You should build your life on the rock. How do you do that? Hear and do. The recipe for victory and success is really not complicated. You know, the people that are really failing in life, in business, they have, when you ask them what's going on with you, they'll go off into this long tale of woe, Dr. Jacobs calls it. They want to tell you their tale of woe. All the things and all the dominoes that fell, you know, against them. And, 
you know, blah, 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 blah. Okay, praise God. Anyway, and they just they want to tell you their tale of woe. Amen. But people who know, and you are them now, success and victory in every area is really simple. It takes two ingredients. Hear it. Do it. Amen? You don't have to have my wife's IQ, which is way up there. Amen. I always said, uh, God brought you in my life to keep me humble. Amen. I don't know how it's working, but anyway, praise the Lord. And, um, but uh, it's, it's not hard. It's not hard to prosper. What did he say about finances? Hear it, do it. Well, I don't know what he... Hear it. <laughs> Find it out. What did he say about marriage? Right? Get your eyes off Hollywood. Get your eyes off movies. Get your, eye, get your eyes off social media. What did the master say? You have a 100% chance of getting marriage right, going the distance, having bliss, heaven in your house, if you will do it God's way. But I'll show you tomorrow uh, what the world is getting it, what it looks like statistically out there doing it their way. So hear and do. You'll be likened by the Lord unto a wise person which built their life. Now we're going to expand it out and talk about your family. How do you build your family? You build it on the rock. You build it on the rock. How do you build a family that will withstand all the tests? How do you have a marriage that will withstand all the opposition, all the attacks, the tests of time, the troubles, the trials, the circumstances you will face? You build it on the rock. What does the Bible say about marriage? Find yourself someone before you put the ring on that is committed to be an all-the-way person when it comes to what did he say, I'm doing that. What did he say, we're doing that. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. We're going to be doers of the word. Amen. I'll say this repeatedly, but every day, every day of my life, to some measure, I experience a blessing when others experience some measure of the curse because I married right. Okay. Every day of my life, I experience a blessing on some, some different facets of the blessing where other couples experience measures of the curse because I married right. Few decisions will mean more in your life. So don't be cavalier. And, and you got to have someone around you that will help you stay out of your emotions. Because not only will generations be affected, generations will be created. You just take the DNA makeup. What she, what she brings and what I bring is totally, totally unique together. I marry someone else, she might be sweet, but it's just a whole, Rex would not be Rex. 
faith would not be faith. Oh, God would just stick her spirit in someone else's body. The personality, the makeup, the formation of the soul. God, God, I believe, you know, we're kind of, I don't want to take you out there too far, but when God put Adam and Eve in the garden and he said, replenish the earth, he puts Adam and Eve in this, such an enriching, responsible, honoring responsibility to say, create my family. Create my family. Create my sons and daughters. What you bring, what she brings. Wow. Amen. These, these, these things are, we're, we're, we're creating generations. You know, we're, the world is still reeling today, and we will ongoingly, because of Abraham and Sarah's mistake to encourage him to have a baby with Hagar. And it's not a racist statement, it's just a fact, spiritual fact, that those Ishmaelites, uh, not the Persians, but the, the, the true Arab peoples that came from that, have caused some trouble in the earth. Just the religion they formed has taken millions upon millions of people to hell. God never intended that joining and that product to be in the human condition. But that's the effect of doing it wrong. Wow. It's weighty stuff. Right? So you be sober. Be prayerful. Amen. We'll, we'll endeavor to help you. Praise God. But uh, So we're looking at some things. I will liken unto him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that family. And it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that hears these sayings of mine and does them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his family upon the sand. Right? You build your family, you build your marriage. If it's off the word, if it's not on the word, it's on sand. Well, I'm still standing. Well, that just means a strong enough rain hasn't come yet. A strong enough wind hasn't come yet, but it will. Jesus said, and the rain descended and floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Now I give you the New Living Translation on your handout and it says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and floodwaters rise and winds beat against that house, that family, it won't collapse because it was built on the bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. In divorce court, in abuse, in problems, in all kinds of dysfunction. You can see there... Uh, Psalm 11 verse 3 says, If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? You remember, what, if, you want, if you're wondering about how, what is going on with our nation? Well, we are suffering the, final, I mean the, the great harvest of decades now and generations now of total family breakdown. 
total family breakdown. And with every successive generation since the 60s, we have less and less and less of a biblical frame of reference coming up in the average household. And we took it out of school, you don't get it at school. So if you don't get it at home, you don't get it at school. And they totally obliterate, they want every trace of it. They want it off our money, off our statues. They want it all out of the culture to the greatest degree. And now I just, you know, gosh, the crazy, it, it's just unbelievable now. You, you, you thought, okay, now, now I saw it all. I heard it all. I watched the news and I heard it all. And then you get up, like I was watching a, reading a headline last night, that now uh, apparently your California governor wants to mandate every business that sells toys to mess up people's gender confusion even further. It's just wildness. What is this? This is the effect of a faulty foundation. It's not a different political party, party in office that's going to turn it around. You got to have a foundation. Well, those are national issues. What about you? Here, Jesus is talking about uh, the foundation. When you build something, the first thing, the, the, it's not exciting. And, uh, you know, we're seeing this one. We've, we've not covered it up. Uh, we've got stained concrete different places. It's, it's cool to look at. We like it now. But we're looking at the foundation. Uh, amen. But in many of our homes, it's, it goes unseen. But it's upholding everything. It's upholding everything. And whether or not your marriage looks like Exodus 34-7, visiting the iniquity, right? The bents, the, the sins, the problems for generations, or we're leaving a legacy of faith, it's going to depend on when you enter into marriage, when you start a family, what foundation are you building it on? And there's only one. There's only one foundation that's going to make it long term. So if you want to go from I do till death do us part, you got all kinds of odds against you. It, it all comes down to what are you and your husband, what are you and your wife going to build on? And if the foundation be destroyed, I mean, you might have a pretty wall, but it's, it's whatever. You know, it's not going to last there very long. Amen? And so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll start in this. To, to build a family, uh, you focus on your foundation. You focus on your foundation. Now, I'm from... Uh, I grew up in uh, Norman, Oklahoma, which is about 20 miles south of Oklahoma City. And we hadn't been there in a long time. I mean, we go and visit, but live there, been 20 years. But anyway, uh, several years ago, Devon Energy, which is an oil and gas company, decided to uh, build, they headquartered in Oklahoma City, they decided to build a new skyscraper right in, and it's the tallest, most beautiful building down there today. Well, anyway, for years, we would come back and visit, where's the skyscraper at? And uh, all I saw for years was a massive hole in the ground. And they kept going down, down, down. They tore up the entire, they had to redo the entire city's electrical grid, the, the plumbing, how water gets around, because they're going to build something tall. They're going to build something substantial. And so they spent three or four years prepping the foundation and about a year and a half building what you can see. Amen. Glory. 
What can God do with your marriage? What can God do with your life? What can God build? What can He do? What kind of structure can He make out of your family? It all depends on what kind and how strong is your foundation. Right? And so that's why they spent so many years before they built Devon Tower focused on the foundation. Because the foundation determines what can stand on it. This is why I said at the very outset that how we do marriage and how we do family can be disqualifying to the plan of God for your life. Or great, he may say, you know, I had for you a uh, 20-story spiritual structure I was going to build, but you only gave me a 10-story foundation. If you guys listen, I know you have, to Pastor Nancy's message, Preparing for Your Purpose. I know she just sent me the CD. I said, Pastor, I've been wearing this thing out on YouTube. <laughs> oh, it's just so, so powerful. Praise God. And, uh, you know, let's talk about a call to ministry for a moment. You know, the greater that call, the more visible, the more impacting to the body of Christ in the world, the greater the foundation must be. And you know what that's really going to look like? More years off the scenes, more detailed, nitpick, meticulous, the spirit will be about your character, your nature. You heard Pastor Nancy say she began to realize that uh, she would observe Christians do things and say things and not get in trouble with God. But if she tried to do that, she would get in trouble with God, did get in trouble with God. Why? Because... God is preparing her for what He has for her. Don't compare yourself to anybody else. Don't compare your marriage to anybody. Don't compare your family to everybody else. Amen? And, and you know, she, she talked about Joseph and, and how intense his proving time was. How radical it ended up being. Now, God didn't do it, but He used it all. Even Joseph said, He said, You meant it for evil, his brothers, but God meant it for my good and for your good. But see, God took him, he took him in a day from the very bottom to the second in command of the most powerful nation on earth, advancing his plan again with Abraham, getting him through the getting him through, fulfilling all these prophecies. Everybody's got their own part to play. But his foundation building was not average. And had he cast it aside, got frustrated, got bitter, didn't handle it right. God could not have put on him what he was able ultimately to put on him. So if you feel like you're called to be out front, but God keeps you behind the scenes. You know, I'll tell you a funny, I like to tell a lot. You know, I was uh, hired on staff at uh, Church of the Harvest, a church in Oklahoma City uh, that I had, uh, God led me to, was a member of, and then had the opportunity to hire me on staff. And and uh, anyway, I was in, had 90,000 square feet of facilities, multiple structures, large church. And uh, they gave me a real glorified you know, title. I was the business and facilities director. But what that really meant was I am a table setter upper and terror downer and a chair setter and a trash taker outer and a light bulb changer and a, all of that. And so anyway... Uh, I had many experiences there, God preparing me. You know, I applied to Rama and was accepted two years in a row. And every time I got close, Amber and I got close, we got checked about it. 
Now, Brother Hagin was there, great school. There's nothing wrong with school. God just had a different path of preparation for us. And so he, he put me where he put Dr. Dufresne in the toilet ministry. I remember I was so excited. We were having our annual conference, and, and Pastor had invited Dr. Leroy Thompson. And he was in the house. And I mean, it was money cometh to me now. And I had a front row seat, and I could not wait to get up with him and go, money, y'all ever hear him do that? Money cometh to me. That was his revelation. Now, oh, he got in trouble for saying that. Man, he got in trouble with religious people. Money cometh to me now. He'd make you do that, you know. I just couldn't wait. Praise God. Well, anyway, it's back then we had to carry these beepers. You know what a beeper is, right? The pager. And they were really advanced at this point. They could actually type you a little message in there that would scroll across. Well, I mean, I'm just getting excited. He's about to come and my beeper goes off. And it said there's a clogged mess in the ladies' main restroom. Man. What they want me to do? They wanted me to take care of that. That was my job. And so, man, I was in the spirit, but I was in the flesh after that. Man, I was. And they're in there with the doctor. Yeah. And I'm in this stall. And I'm, it's almost lunchtime. I won't even go there. But, I mean, it was all you might imagine. And I'm trying to clear this up. And I'm doing this number in my suit, splashing stuff on my shoes. And I said out loud to myself, look at you, called to preach. And I heard God. He spoke right back to me. He said, yeah, you are called to preach. But you'll never get there until you can do this with joy. You know what I did? Bless God, bless God, bless God, hallelujah, I did, Woo! it's an honor, I did, thank you brother, I, I, got, I got happy about it, I got, see, I, if, I, if I ever want to do something different, I got to do this, with joy, what's he working on, foundation, foundation, Showing me that ministry is not Hollywood. i got to take my Hollywood glasses off. It's not about glamour. It's not about being seen. It's about being willing. It's about being obedient. Amen. Amen. You know, one of the, one of the reasons why God can continue to advance, my wife and I and our family, it, into the things He has for us and others is because our family is not an embarrassment to Him. God help us. I'm not knocking on the wood. It's going to stay that way. Amen. But we don't want to be, a, I don't want my marriage to be a reproach when I'm called to be an example. I don't want my children to be a reproach when they're called to be an example. So you have to start with your foundation. You have to focus on your foundation. You know, we'll have to find a landing spot here. But, uh, you know, Amber and I, we have bought several homes uh, in our 25-year marriage. Uh, not a lot, but we have, we have bought homes. And, uh, you know, when you buy a home, what's part of the process? An inspection. Do you just buy it? You, you, 
You put offers on the home. You take steps about a home because you like the way it looks. Right? You're attracted to, you were attracted to the home. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, I didn't have a vision and an angel come in and said, seek out this girl named Amber Cody. How did that all start? I liked the way she looked. I still like the way she looks. You know, God works in all that, you know? Like, ooh. He's not always in that. Amen. But he's not always not in that either. <laughs> I know I love, I love these little distraction points, you know, but, uh, you know, evidently, who did God bring to, Ra- uh, to uh, he brought Rachel to Isaac, right? Or is it Rebecca? Rebecca. You know what? The Bible's just pretty explicit about her. Rebecca was hot. She was like smoking hot. Well, notice the one that God, he, he worked through the servant. God said, Abraham said, my servant will go before you. Who did the servant go get? Somebody hot. Somebody attractive. Somebody that Isaac would like. Okay, y'all going to be too spiritual on me. Amen. But anyway, what we're talking, we're talking about, we were attracted to the home. We liked the way it looked. We got in, mm, we liked the way it made us feel. But we didn't go all the way. We didn't commit until we did an inspection. Why? Because if you're wise, you appreciate how something looks. You appreciate how something makes you feel. But a wise person knows there might be more to the story. They might have slapped on a loose coat of plaster and through a rug in a very strategic location and put a band-aid here and a band-aid here and that if you really go to digging you find out it's not all that it appears to be so single folks before you get yes you're you're interested because of the way maybe they look you're you're more interested in the because of how they make you Feel, but before you invest your heart, before you invest your emotions, you better do an inspection. Now, we want to inspect everything, but if you're going to inspect anything, what are you going to look at? The foundation. Because it's not, it's not fun, but it's not terrible in terms of the process to put some new shingle on or to replace a leaky window. But if you forget to inspect the foundation and half of it's sunk six inches and there's a crack in your floor joist that you can't see, you're, you're talking about a catastrophic. You're talking about major, major expense. And now you could own something nobody wants. I'm talking about marriage. <laughs> you sign that dotted line and you're, now you're in a covenant with that house. And you wished you'd have gone beyond the superficial. 
and looked at that foundation. Well, we just have a couple minutes left. What are we looking for, single people? What are we looking for? Well, the Bible tells us as Christians what the foundation is. Right? I think I have that verse referenced. There is, you might have to turn the page, there is no other foundation than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Amen? You've got to flip a few pages to get to that, to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9 and 11. For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. That means your building, your garden. You are God's what? You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, there's that word, and another builds thereon. But let every man take heed how he builds thereon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So did they start going to church when you started dating? Red flag, red flag, red flag. How marked up is their Bible before you met them? Who is their pastor? What is their prayer life like? Amen. It's like Dr. Jacob says, you can teach anybody with half a brain to kiss good, but that don't pay the bills. <laughs> Right? Kissing don't pay the bills. Amen. And that's not even foundation. We're talking about do you have a foundation? And, and people think they really sell themselves short and say, well, yeah, Jesus, I, I, Jesus is my Savior. Well, do you know Him? Are you walking with Him? What do you know about the plan of God for your life? Why, why did he put you on the planet? Do you know anything about that? Because, you know, before I sign on to a lifetime of walking with you, I might like to have some insight into why you're on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> what are you signing up for? Now, I realize that there are all kinds of different dynamics that, that people get married and then they get saved. They get married and then one of them gets saved. And you, and you get all that. But we're reaching for God's ideal. I'm talking to those un, unmarried folks right now. You know, praise God. What kind of foundation do you have? Amen. So that's where we'll probably begin tomorrow. We'll get my wife up here. And uh, I always purpose, Lord willing, we will, uh, we will teach you and preach to you our who should I marry. That's just Cody classic. You just got to hear that one. And uh, we'll come by faith and we'll, we'll hear and see what God has for us tomorrow. Amen. Amen. Did you get anything out of today? Yes. If you got anything, that's really great because today we were tired today. Uh, so it'll be more better tomorrow. Yes. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, God bless you. Praise God. Don't forget to write down some of those things. What are those things that you just know? I am not repeating that in my family or I'm definitely keeping with that in my family and some questions that you might have. Okay. All right, guys, have a great one.